rest in power, Darwin Cook, and welcome to Cape Crisis, the comic book podcast every week on the Laser Time Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Henry Gilbert. That's H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter. Thank you. Uh, almost hey. didn't get that out. Hey, everybody. That's Christopher Antista. Yes, it is. I don't get Spider-Man's driving music anymore, even when Brett's not here. And Dave Rudden. Bullshit. Sweet, I got it. Fuck you. The Walking Dave. Hi there, Dave. Hello. Have you been keeping up with the Fear of the Walking Dead? No, not at all. No, no one has. No, that's not true. But, god damn. I, I, sorry, I just saw that the... Um, the Preacher Show is going to be on AMC, and the first uh, shot of it up with me so much. I know it, it premieres this Sunday, but what I, I am incredulous about is that they're already getting an after show. Like yeah. the shows, how let many the show shows can Talking Chris Hardwick what is do? What is it? Is yeah. it going to be called Talking Preacher? No, it's like After Preacher, the, the, or just still preacher. preaching. They should call just it Preach Around. Preaching to the choir, that's what they should call uh, it. Uh, preach around. That <laughs> but, deserves the Nobel Prize of puns. That, that was good, Dave. I shouldn't have uh, jumped on it immediately. Like This week's episode is going to be a fun one. Uh, there's a ton of news to you get into. You confident. Uh, but I am. I have... Uh, man, okay, so here's how great it's going to be. Let me sell you on it, Chris. All right. Okay, so we've got the superhero spotlight at the start. We've got a ton of news, mainly about movies and TV shows. We've got a uh, that classic Ask Hank segment and Question of the Week. We've read comic books. And most of all, we have the premiere of a new segment oh, this God. very oh, week. Oh, and not only that, Chris, but this is such a big episode. We're going to be doing it in three segments. Oh, God. That means commercials. <laughs> Just kidding. We don't have sponsors <laughs> uh but we hey we sponsor ourselves patreon.com slash laser time and now let's get into the superhero spotlight select your hero and keeping with the theme of this month we're digging more into the convoluted apocalyptic x-men <laughs> who are <laughs> who are important uh, in the upcoming sounded film like, almost sounded like hebrew x-men apocalypse <laughs> 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 well, this is one of the least Jewish superheroes ever. It's Warren Worthington the Warren Worthington oh, of the of the California Worthington, <laughs> aka Angel, aka Archangel, the richest X Man and one of the original ones, who is uh, a major character in. X-Men Apocalypse. But let's start from the beginning. He first appeared in X-Men number one, September 1963. I knew, I knew that. He is one of the five original X-Men. Canonically, he is the third student to join Xavier's school. Uh, he was created by Stanley and Jack Kirby. And uh, he had a very stock character type on the team, you know. So they had Cyclops the leader, Jean Grey the girl, Beast the jokester, Iceman also kind of a jokester, and then you had Angel who was the rich playboy mm. who had lived a life of privilege until he found out he was dun 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 mutant, ah. a stinking mutant. So he joined up with Xavier's school, mm -hmm. and his mutation was bird-like wings growing out of his back that give him the power of flight. And that's it. That's his only power, wow. other than being a billionaire. Like, he does have that power, too. And so, so he has, like, Bruce Wayne style, like, I can buy anything, like, Pretty much, yeah, and he like uses that. his money continually as a superpower slash plot device as the series of X-Men would go on. But, yeah, when he started out... Honestly, he was kind of the lamest X-Men because who can't fly? You know, he he's still just, is. He is, though they've 
put work into making him cool. Mm. But when he started in his first appearance, he's like, yeah, I have these wings. And uh, Professor Xavier gave me this cool harness to put them down and I can wear my my sports coat you know, over. Uh, ah, so it's like when you put your uh, boner underneath an elastic, your elastic waistband. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Take a piece from 40-Year-Old Virgin. <laughs> if we were Paul Rudding and Seth Rogen, you know how I know you're a lame superhero? Mm-hmm. You were played by Ben Foster in the Aww. movie. He's a yes. Uh, I'm not no. saying he's not, but he's... Destined to be a lame superhero. Yeah. Uh, Gets but, you see him as Bane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he was at it for a while with the X-Men, but their adventures weren't that interesting. I mean, they fought Magneto and then a lot of other losers, but uh, like the Vanisher. And uh, they were such losers that their book stopped getting published. And wow. Angel, along with all the other original X-Men, fell into uh, disrepair in the early 70s. That would be until 1975's giant-sized X-Men, where, like all the other X-Men classic ones, it was revealed that he had been held captive on the living island Krakoa. And he needed to be freed by the rest of the X-Men. God about Krakoa. He, rule, she, he or she rules. Yeah, they, they rule as uh, the ground underneath the Wolverine and the X-Men school. Gene Grey Academy. Uh, but anyway, so he gets freed. And then they're like, well, we've got too many X-Men. And he says, I don't want to be an X-Men anyway. Mm-hmm. And so they launch a brand new series to accommodate these cast-off X-Men. You know, like how Beast joined the Avengers... Meanwhile, they create this new team called the Champions. They move to L.A., and the Champions have Angel, Iceman, Ghost Rider, Black Widow, and Hercules. So a pretty good lineup of people who also can't support their own solo. (laughs) Uh, And he was on that team for about five years or so. He briefly rejoined the X-Men, though, in the early 80s when the Dark Phoenix saga went Mm -hmm. on. They kind of had all the original X-Men come back to say goodbye to Jean Grey as she was going to be passing away. And he stuck around for about 10 issues as a teammate, but he came to see that the X-Men had changed. And he was not into violent murderers like Mm -hmm. Wolverine being on the team. And Wolverine wasn't a fan of him either. And so then he starts the new Defenders. There were the classic Defenders, you know, that had Doctor Strange, Hulk, Silver Surfer on it. But now he was going to have the new Defenders, which would... Inc- this is the biggest loser in this superhero he, spotlight, he isn't he? He is, he is. But he <laughs> but was... I'm, keep going, I'm He sorry. was so complicated in the other ones, I really wanted to explain his complex yeah, yeah, yeah. history. Especially because... I was introduced to him under a different name, so keep going. Uh, So Angel starts the new defenders uh, on his team are Beast and Iceman, and then the manager slash non... (laughs) Sorry. And the uh, manager slash non-combat boss of the team is Candy Southern, his longtime girlfriend. Who just Candace Candy Southern? He's definitely not a man. No, mm. uh, not a man. Uh, but he he also had some of his worst costumes ever while on the Defenders, <laughs> like really bad. But anyway, so then the Defenders all get wiped out when teammate Moon Dragon gets possessed by demons and seemingly kills everybody. Though they retcon that, and he's just like, "No, I'm alive again." Because they restart X Factor, or when the first issue of X Factor comes out, all the original X Men are back on a team together, and that includes Angel. But things didn't go so well for Angel in X-Factor in the first year. Uh, The storyline Mutant Massacre happens where mutants get violently lynched in the streets and Warren Worthington is one of them. His wings are ripped off. Oh, I never. And he finds out that they won't grow back and he is despondent. He is, is horribly sad and he intends to crash one of his fancy rich guy planes and kill himself. But at the last moment he is saved by Apocalypse, who teleports him away. And uh, here's a scene from X-Men Legends that explains what happens next. 
Horseman of Apocalypse, and I am yours to command. Your speed and strength have been augmented, but what of your soul? My soul is filled with hatred, rage, <laughs> and death for the X-Men. Ooh, well, that's that's pretty clear cut. Yep. Don't call me Angel. Call me a name with the word angel in it, though. <laughs> From here on out, my dialogue will lack nuance. <laughs> That's a similar version to what actually happened in the comics. So it's X-Factor 24, where the seemingly dead angel is brought back, and he's calling himself Death. He has been given metal wings placed on his back by Apocalypse to make him the Horseman of Death of the Four Horsemen of Apocalypse. He has blue skin now, and he has a hate and rage, as he talked about, including pretty much a ripoff of Wolverine's Berserker Rage. In short, he's like a blue Wolverine who flies. And they, it was definitely... Wow. It was the Wolverineizing of Warren Worthington. But, I mean, he needed to be cool for the 80s. Like, he'd been a loser all this time. And I at least did, like, his design of blue hair with his... Uh, sorry, blue skin with his bright blonde hair. It was at least impressive. But the mind control only lasted for so long. Obviously, he's going to break it. He's a superhero who's mind controlled in a comic book. Obviously, it's not going to last too long. And then when he comes back, his uh, girlfriend, Candy, is murdered. In her death, he's like, you know what? I need to stay on X-Factor, sort my stuff out here, and I'm going to call myself Archangel. Which is how I was introduced to him on the Marvel cards. Yes. And And he was very fresh in those Marvel cards at that time. Like, 88 was when he first appeared as death. 89 was when he was called Archangel. So those cards were in 90 very fresh concept of him being Archangel. Though in the early 90s, he then uh, left X-Factor. X-Factor became a whole different thing. And he rejoined the X-Men. He was on the gold team of X-Men in the blue and gold era. And uh, that's also when he started dating Psylocke. And uh, then in a fight, he got his wings damaged. And he finds out that his wings are molting. And that actually, his his feathers come back. (gasps) Though when his feathers come back and his wings are back to normal, he still has blue skin, though he renames himself to Angel and goes back to his old costume, getting rid of the oh-so-90s pink and teal affair of his costume. Loved it. I I did love that costume, but... Uh, though yeah, so he still had blue skin, but now he just didn't have the his wing projectiles. Like he could shoot feathers off of his off of his wings, which looks so cool, and it even looks cool in those trailers for Apocalypse. After Apocalypse is defeated in the twelve storyline we talked about in his superhero spotlight, mm-hmm. he starts funding the X Men for a brief point in time. Then he leads his own X Men team when the uh, Morrison when the Morrison era starts over in New X Men. He's on the other team of non teenagers. Uh, with all the less cool X-Men. And he even gets back his previous skin color. He's back to being a white dude. And he gets brief healing abilities. They're kind of, they kind of go on and off, though. That was pretty much a deal until 2004 when M-Day happens. Uh, Scarlet Witch has no more mutants. There's only 198 mutants left. So he is one of the mutants who keeps his powers. He helps out with uh, controlling what's left of the X-Men in San Francisco. Even is on a side team of X-Force. But in their first adventure, Wolfsbane of classic X-Factor goes crazy and rips his wings off. 
And then he's told that his wings, so he's down to his third pair of wings here. And then he's told his wings are going to grow back metal this time. And that his apocalypse power and mentality starts coming back. Uh, But he's able to fight it and he can kind of shift between the two. Uh, While in the X-Force, he gets back together with Psylocke and she's helping him keep down his urge to kill. Uh, But eventually it fails and Apocalypse gets his mind back and she has to kill him uh, to prevent him from ending the world. But then they see right after they kill him, oh, hey, Angel's walking around and he's not blue anymore. What's the deal? And it is revealed that some other soul in got into his body and he's no longer Warren but he's calling himself Warren but he's like I remember um, this yeah. he's like no Warren is dead I am Angel though and uh, hey guys how, pretty cool right and everybody's like this is very strange and he gets to hang around the whole he time even around. with that mentality I'm yep. not the old guy but I am Angel <laughs> yeah and you should call me Warren and I'm gonna own all his money but uh, <laughs> but he's a very naive person who even thinks he is a literal angel from heaven and uh, he joins at Wolverine's school, the Jean Grey school, to learn some stuff about what it's like to be a human. Uh, then he becomes friends with the Apocalypse clone we talked about before. Fuck. And uh, a kid Apocalypse. And he was on the anti-Cyclops side post-Avengers versus X-Men. Then things get even more complicated for him. So we've already got a Warren who has died and been reborn. Mm-hmm. Becomes blue and doesn't become blue. Played by Ben Foster. <laughs> Played by Ben Foster. In a movie that's now undone. And and to complicate things even more, Beast brings the original X-Men as teenagers back into current times. Yes. And so there is a young Warren Worthington with normal wings. And he's like, what the hell happened to me? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. Uh, why am I? Why do I not even know who I am anymore? That was really funny. Yeah, and he's very confused by it. And he then quits the anti Cyclops X Men, the young Warren does, and joins Cyclops's X Men. Who? So he's even at odds with his own future self. While he's on Cyclops's team, he starts dating the female clone of Wolverine X twenty three, a relationship that actually just ended in the book. Really? So I bet it's going to be brief. Their their breakup. I think it's one of those things. You know, it's classic superhero breakup of you're less safe with me. We got to break up, kind of deal. <laughs> Which usually means they'll get back together eventually. But they're both teammates on the all new, all different X Men team. While meanwhile, the old Warren is going through even weirder stuff. He was he is a member of the Uncanny X-Men team that Magneto leads. He's the powerhouse on the team. He is fully old Archangel, classic outfit, blue skin, killing machine. He's actually a mindless killing machine who is controlled by Psylocke. Though Psylocke is starting to find bits and pieces of Warren's old brain <laughs> in there somewhere. And uh, that's where we currently are right now. Uh, when it comes to Angel in the t- cartoons, mm-hmm. he's appeared in most of them. Uh, I even remember seeing his first appearance in the X-Men animated series of my youth, where he was first introduced as Angel and then is immediately transformed into Archangel by Apocalypse. They were just like, let's speed this up. Yeah, he was, as you said, played by Ben Foster in X-Men Last Stand, which was a complete waste of finally introducing Angel into the world of X-Men. Yes, good casting, Dave. I do like my Ben Foster. Uh, And now he's going to be played by Ben Hardy in the uh, X-Men Apocalypse Ah, film. They're on a Ben streak. What, yeah, what, he's from East Sanders or something, I think? I don't know. It, British people know who he is. 
Uh, and then he's appeared in a bunch of video games, though rarely playable because Archangel is not a very interesting Man. character. Uh, but that's pretty much it for him. I I do like his, you know, when I was first introduced to Angel, he was Archangel in his stupid costume. I even had, like, I think multiple toys of him. And, and he even came with, like, little... Uh, metal feathers that you would pretend to throw with him in the original X-Men line. It was, it was a pretty cool toy and yeah, the clo- I'd rather him be a Wolverine clone than just be like I'm a rich guy. I'm rich. I pay for things and it's easy for me. That's my character. I I, I don't miss that and uh, yeah, it's, and now it's even more confusing they're just split up as there's now two Warrens. Though I think he at least works well as Wolverine's boyfriend. Like he's just like I'm a plain guy and I am Wolverine's boyfriend. That's my job. <laughs> and so that is a superhero spotlight. Select your hero. Yes. All right. So we are going to take our first break. When we come back, all the news that's fit to print, including a lot of positive information about DC, their films, and their comic books. I, crazy, right? I've read an epic DC crossover this week. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. All right. And so that's all coming up after the break. you like Laser Time shows? Then you might like Bonus Time, Laser Time's weekly bonus show exclusively on Patreon.com slash Laser Time. Here's a taste of what you've been missing. You want to go through game journalism days of your Heidi? She's like, but I found all these other jump drives from you, and these are all from like our era in the games press yeah. that I've been slowly throwing out 512 megabytes. Five. Yeah. We've made wow. bigger podcasts. <laughs> uh, like, uh, I wonder what... I'm going to stick it in and see the, what's on the, in a preview Whoa, wow. for Jumper Griffin story. <laughs> uh, the- <laughs> oh, man. What the fuck? Oh, can you read a sentence from that? Taking in a viewing of the Banff Happy Jumper trailer, oh, you might be bracing yourself for seeing another game movie tie-in starring Hayden Christensen and Samuel L. Jackson. Hey, that's not a bad line. They've been in a lot of movie yeah. tie-in games together. Uh, but you'd be wrong, young Padawan. Uh, central in the film, they- though they are, Jumper's Griffin story allows Jamie Bell's character... The immensely irritating Jimmy from King Kong. That was a reference I thought everyone would get. Um, (laughs) Unfolding a different plot that intersects the events of the film because it was an interquel or something. That is way too good for a Jumper Griffin story preview. Thanks, Dave. No one was panning. Get bonus time, Laser Time's weekly, full-length, uncensored, and ad-free Patreon-exclusive podcast, as well as weekly full-length movie commentaries, wrestling and cartoon video commentaries, physical rewards, the first season of Talking Simpson, and more at patreon.com slash laser time starting at just five bucks you'll help us live and we'll do our best to help you never be bored again okay and we're back with the news segment yeah i don't know if that's a good one for the news uh but okay first off i didn't want to start with the sad news of the very quick and tragic paths, passing mm. of Darwin Cook. Like, yeah. Darwin Cook, in case you didn't know, is one of the best artists of his generation, I would say. And he kind of he kind of drew in the Batman animated series style, and he actually worked mm. on some of those shows. But he had his style all his own. He's most famous for DC's New Frontier. Dude, book, so cool. So just, cool. Oh, gorgeous, gorgeous, and beautiful. Like, so specifically set in the 1960s, yeah. early 60s. But it just loves the characters. Like, he... He didn't do much work for Marvel, but DC was kind of his big thing. And he, when he left DC, he worked on 
a series called Parker, which was an adaptation yeah. of a classic uh, f- uh, crime noir book. Mm. But he just, oh, God, his art is so gorgeous. If I were to direct you to two of his books, uh, definitely New Frontier, that is his masterpiece, I would say. And it even got its own animated film, which was a very good animated film, but the book's better. Because Nathan Fillion is uh, Hal Jordan. Yes, yeah, it was the first ever of that. And also, though, I would say his run with Ed Brubaker on Catwoman and also preceding his run on Catwoman and Selena's big score very good i really love those books and and there's tons more great stuff but (laughs) those are two places to start and he just had all these great there's just tons of his art out there that's just amazing to look at too it was really good it was sad to see that he he never did much work with marvel though he said that was uh because he had a bad experience early in his career with marvel where they asked him like hey could you help us with uh launching a kids line called marvel adventures he said he put like tons of work into it and gave him his pitches, and then they announced it being launching without his involvement, wow. and he just found out through the news. <laughs> like, But, yeah, it was... Oh God, it was a really sad day last week because they first announced in the morning, like, Darwin Cook, Cook has aggressive cancer that is not good. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, boy, we. I wonder how much time he's got left. And and then by that night at 1.30 a.m., he had passed away. Wow. Like, so I think they really just put it out there to be like, he maybe wants to read the last of your thoughts huh. before he's gone. And it's faster than Easy E's AIDS. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the sound effects up here. Uh, but yeah, R.I.P. Darwin Cook. Uh, also, uh, let's get on to the other news here. There was a big shakeup at Warner Brothers, thanks to the flop success of uh, <laughs> Batman vs. <laughs> <versus> Superman. <laughs> They've now decided to create what they should have done in the first fucking place, mm-hmm. a DC Films division. Yeah. Now, this is part of Warner's whole organization. They're like, well, we need people in charge of DC Films, we need people in charge of Lego Films, and we need a person in charge of the Harry Potter Films. And they're all going to be their own fiefdoms, which mm-hmm. they really should, if they were going to plan out eight freaking DC movies in the fir- in the first place, no maybe vision. have a person yeah. in charge. Instead of just hoping that Zack Snyder could figure it out. Uh, but the person in charge, uh, the big one, is Jeff Johns. Woo, that who, guy is going to be so wealthy. Jesus. I think so. It, though he says he's still not. He's just doing it on top of on his top other job, of, like heading up DC Comics. Yeah, it's it's very confusing. I don't know when he sleeps, but uh, the but most. He, but he, the films just need an advisor like him. Yeah, mm-hmm. somebody who with uh, not in, almost encyclopedic knowledge of the tone and characters, mm-hmm. which is what. Certain films have lacked. Actually, you know what? Fuck that. On that news, new Ghostbusters. I keep get back and do it in a bit. Ghostbusters trailer came out. I am sick of the just crazy Ghostbusters things because Ghostbusters (laughs) anti sentiment. Because I don't care. I didn't like the first trailer either. Uh, I didn't. It played a little too broad for my taste. But we all have. We have the internet. Everybody writes nine hundred articles based on casting and trailers, and nobody judges a film based on its trailer. And everything yeah. you're talking about the Ghostbusters film doing, Batman and Superman already did. <laughs> that is what that movie did to the fans of its movies. And the, tra- and the trailers gave us no indication that that was going to happen. <laughs> they were pretty good trailers. So if you're worried about it, like, if, I don't know. I just don't get it. I just don't understand it. And I know no. that that's going to get a lot more hate. I, sorry, I just hate that movie so much. I hate <laughs> Well, I, I like the trailer. No, I agree with that. And I think Warner does, too, that yeah. it was like... 
the Batman versus Superman made eight hundred fifty million total globally, mm-hmm. which Civil War has passed a week ago. Like it mm-hmm. already did that, and so I think DC was probably or Warner was probably saying, "Why don't we have a billion dollars? Mm-hmm. This is a failure because we didn't make a billion dollars by putting our three biggest heroes in one movie." Yeah. And this was part of a big shakeup in the company, which was needed to happen. Like that, they thought Zack Snyder. Like I'll, I've said so many mean things about Zack Snyder on here, but I'll also say like. He didn't, he didn't, I don't think he was planned to be Kevin Feige. And then yeah. just as they're making the film, they're like, hey, could you also hey, could be you Kevin Feige? you also do Feige? this job that we know needs to exist, but yeah. don't know anybody to put in, in, in its place? And He's like, but I shouldn't be the one to do that. I, <laughs> I think he would things. hate his life in that yeah. role. And I, I hope he doesn't take any, any role like that. Yeah, and I think he's, I mean, just imagine him now on the Justice League set where he's filming it and just, he used to be in charge. Be like putting John Favreau in charge of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, I know. And, yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's crazy. And yeah, that his just angry hatefulness is his is yeah I wish under- I, could, I really want to go see it again just because like it's not like that that isn't a Superman uh, Batman slash Superman story that could, shouldn't exist yeah. because like it can there's many different interpretations you can have but when you only have one representation of those characters in the medium of film. That is not the yeah. one I want out there, and it was not done well. I think in about a month we'll have the three-hour edition we could watch. I'm dying. Together, I'm dying. Yeah. I'm, I might watch it again sooner than that. Uh, so Jeff Johns, though, was asked about it at a, a interview today, and he wouldn't confirm it, but he says, you can connect the dots. But the most important part was him talking about what he sees for DC Entertainment in general, which is hope and optimism. Yeah. That's the quote, which is... In short supply in the Snyderverse, as it's been seen so far. When is his rebirth out? Uh, that's the end this month. We'll, okay. we'll talk about that in a little more in a second. But this is my favorite quote that they have in the article. Quote, I think people make a mistake when they say Superman's not relatable because he's so powerful. I'm like, are you kidding me? He's a farm boy from Kansas who moves to the city and just wants to do the best he can with what he's yeah. got. That's the most relatable character in the world. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, that's uh, that's the type or of person. Or have you ever been a person who does good things and doesn't necessarily yeah. succeed? It happens it, to all of us. It's crazy to me those Warner executives didn't go to him in the first place. Mm-hmm. It's just like he is the guy to do it. If you can't get Paul Dini and Bruce Tim, who I also said yeah. they should be in charge. Like Jeff Johns is the next best thing, especially mm-hmm. because he has worked on he's worked on the DC TV shows I talk about being so great. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yes, yeah, speaking of DC Rebirth, it's out of the end of this month, and they had a big surprise for us. So, are you ready for the fourth DC logo in twelve years? <laughs> because you're getting it. I like it better. I really dislike the the oh that page t- one. Yeah, turn one. That. Oh, so bad. So I hate it. okay. So for thirty years, they had the classic circle DC with the stars on it that we all grew up with. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we, when uh, Infinite Crisis came around, they're like, we need a change of pace. So they basically got the like the Hanna-Barbera spinning star thing around DC, which I actually like that yeah. design. And then they're like, then they get to New 52 four or five years later, and they say, oh, no, we don't want that anymore. We'll have something that's like modular, that it looks like a page being turned, which like, I get that mentality, but yeah. it just looks like a sticker falling it off. Does, the it, it, that's yeah. what it looks like. It yeah. looks like, I believe, Cheryl, uh, who I worked with at GR back in the day <laughs> on the art, would call that a violator. 
a <laughs> thing that you a thing you put to put a sticker price on something. That's what that uh, looks like a sticker hmm. PNG. Uh, that look that's awful. But this one, so this one is very stripped down. Though they, I haven't seen it on a cover. You just see it as a PNG. Yeah, it's right? a blue PNG. The stuff it's, I like it. But I that like stuff it. behind it, I like it too. And I, I think I like it even more. And seeing I think it they on should like it. I can see why they like it because it's it's both very comic booky and nondescript mm. to anybody that might turn off. Yeah, yeah. but it can represent it self well and yeah. I think that's I do think that's been another problem for DC Entertainment of just this like shifting brands like these constant changing logos also shows that mm-hmm. it makes it feel like they you definitely had no plans on. like you don't you keep changing your plans all the time mm-hmm. uh, so yeah I'm into that logo and uh, it's definitely better than that page t- turn I wonder when we'll see our last of the page turn because they announced today uh, Return to Arkham Mm -hmm. and at the start of that trailer it's got the old one and I bet it will ship with the old (laughs) one too. Which uh, that's out July 26th so if you've somehow not played Arkham Mm -hmm. Asylum or Arkham City now you can do it on a PS4 and Xbox One. I'm wondering if I'll do that again. I really, really like Arkham as a city uh, city and night are big ass games mm-hmm. really good great um, but Asylum is a, is a tight story yeah a, a really tight Batman adventure I've beaten Asylum twice I would mm-hmm. be up for a third time yeah I think I could do it again uh, there's rumors that the next line of Netflix shows are gonna be Ghost Rider Blade and Moon Knight Whew, that is fucking perfect yeah and all of them are affordable enough though I think Ghost Rider is an expensive effect but, it uh, is but not for Netflix and, yeah, and like true. and sort of the idea that like yeah we got the you started with your street level thugs. Let's let's up the ante a little bit, and mm-hmm. you know, Moon Knight. What which Moon Knight is this going to be? But he, he does he have a jet? I hope he has a jet. Yeah, uh, I, <laughs> I think this lets them up the power levels just a tiny bit, yeah. like a couple move the dial about two places forward, bridge the gap, and maybe and maybe even have them make more sense to meet up with the Avengers. In the yeah, and MCU. Uh, a follower on Twitter even pointed out that. Um, it feels like after Doctor Strange is out there, they can just say, okay, mystical stuff now. Let's open up yeah. to the mysticism of MCU. Yeah. Uh, Brian Singer says that the next X-Men film will be set in the 90s, to which I say, like, can you just have something now? Like, <laughs> are we going to have to see the 90s one and then the was, zeros one? I and he was then, done. Well, he says that's where he wants it to go. He might just be a producer on it, not director. But still, but. it's like the same reason New Frontier excited me to see those characters in a time when they were just becoming their most popular. Yeah. Why not a 90s X-Men Yeah, I, Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, okay, Supergirl is definitely getting a season two. She was on the bubble, but it's moving to the CW, which... Uh, it makes me fear they're going to have to do a lot of budget cuts, Feels which means like the right move though. Because yeah. why were you doing a superhero show on CBS? Only yeah, people watch that channel, and yeah. me for Survivor. But that's it. It also is funny that this happened. It leaves CBS at the same time as like CBS got in some uh, uh, SJW hot water with me and my uh, PC police crowd, where they they didn't do <laughs> a <laughs> they turned down a Nancy Drew TV series because it was quote too female. Too female. That's uh, a terrible reason not to do a show. Like, I mean, there are, I can think of a billion reasons right now not to do a Nancy Drew show yeah. at all, oh, yeah. and it's that did not have to be the public reason you give. But I'll tell you what isn't too female. Mm-hmm. Harley Quinn getting a spinoff movie, maybe. That's pretty crazy. So yeah. Margot Ro- Robbie is apparently like the fire starter. She allegedly pitched it. Yeah, she pitched it and was like, I like this character. And I want more money. She she commissioned... I, she, I, if I want to be really cynical about yeah. it, I imagine like she said that offhand mm-hmm. and something about how gorgeous she is makes me want to listen to everything she yeah. has to say. But also, like she's like undoubtedly stole every single trailer. Yeah. It's been about her yeah. and not like... Will Smith's in the trailer, and I be- and I always forget. 
Well, I think that's because she, uh, Harley Quinn as a yeah. character, is the most fun character people yeah. recognize yep. yeah, in Suicide Squad. I think the world is going to fall in love with her in Suicide yeah, Squad. I hope so. And yeah, I also, you know, it's not just that she said, hey, I do it. Mm-hmm. She commissioned a writer to start working on the wow. script for yeah. it. And it would be a female centric DC film that people implied like Batgirl might be in it or the other Birds of uh, Prey. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that would be awesome. And I think Margot Robbie now sees like if she wants to really launch her career to be a person who stars in tentpole comic films, she's got to have a little proactiveness about that. You know, become a producer on your own movie. She's got to uh, be a real Margot getter. Speaking of people who are go getters, Robert Kirkman is doing another thing with AMC, which is the history of comic books as a documentary series on AMC. I'm loving this new approach to documentary series. Mm -hmm. I am old. Well, and I think I think Robert Kirkman. He works for Image, and so this isn't a documentary being driven by DC yeah. or Marvel. It's the most unbiased thing you're going to get. Yeah. It is, but it's by AMC, and mm-hmm. so they can get like statements from Marvel people for the for the thing too. I think it'll be probably it could be the best wide ranging history of comic book stock ever. I, I didn't even see that news, but it only I after our last show I started looking and like I'm going to look and. How long did Stan Lee work at Marvel? And then I'm like, reading, looking at Stan Lee, I'm like, okay, he's going to die like in the next 10 days. <laughs> and this is going to be a biopic. Uh, there's uh, no way there's not going to be a Stan Lee biopic. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, well, how do you do it with. You have to do it with Marvel's permission because you yeah. need to see and hear about all these all characters, which means sugarcoating and approval yeah. processes. It's what has he done that's so been so controversial? Well, it's like just the, the saying that the argument is that he steals too much of the credit from the artist to, mm-hmm. you know, I would say it was probably in most cases a 70-30 to even 90-10 split of mm-hmm. creativity. Mm-hmm. Like Stanley was both writer and editor-in-chief making him management mm-hmm. as well. And so he just said, like his way of thinking I created Spider-Man is because he said a character, Spider-Man, he's a teenager. Then he says that to Steve Ditko. Steve Ditko makes up every other character, the entire situation, and the costume everybody cares about. And his powers? And his powers, his specific powers. Well, because Spider-Man had a web gun mm-hmm. originally. Mm-hmm. Steve Ditko put all that together. Mm-hmm. But then Stanley just writes the words yes. over it in the balloons. And it makes you think, like, well, the guy I, who actually conceived the world is the artist. I think you can, you're allowed to feel both ways about Stanley. That he's a glory hog... And he's taking a lot of credit for these characters. However, if we've never heard of Stanley, and I told you right now, mm-hmm. uh, I did a little research, and the guy, the Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. and the Avengers, all of them individually, uh, Spider Man, and pa- practically the whole Marvel universe, have mm-hmm. one guy. Yeah, who was respo- Who was in every meeting and creating them all? Did you know there was one guy? It'd be a glorious revelation that who is this fucking guy? Stan yeah. Lee? That can't be his real name. He looks too Jewish. Mm-hmm. I know. In Stan, in interviews with Stan, like he'll be open about it. Like mm-hmm. he's been very clear in this in the great Steve Ditko documentary that Jonathan Walsh mm-hmm. did. Uh, Stan is very open. I'm like, you know what? He's the co-creator. Sure, he did it. I don't want to yeah. take the credit. Like. I don't know if that's what Stan was saying in 1965, but, but uh, he's got he's got that old uh, what, what would you call it old New York ego of like yeah. him wanting to just genuinely know things that he did, and it's very 
there probably wouldn't have been a Spider-Man without Stan Lee. No, and, and there wouldn't be a Marvel without him because yeah. he was their biggest cheerleader and yeah. manager at the time of their biggest expansion. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, can, I don't know. It's so weird to think of a person like that. And once he's gone, I have a feeling it'll be all positivity. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, oh, lastly, Natalie Portman. They kind of explain why Natalie Portman is not in the third Thor film. Uh, mainly it doesn't be- matter. Well, Kevin Feige said because eighty to ninety percent of it is in space, and so they don't. You don't need Earth. Oh, it's people. not like she's ever been in space in any of her roles. Uh, yeah, look. Well, also, she kind of made it clear she doesn't want to come back. It's not that they fired her; she just like she barely wanted to be in Thor too. Yeah. I am honestly more upset with no. Uh, what's her face? Two broke girls. Cat Dennings. Uh, Dennings. Cat Dennings. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She was funnier. Yeah. yeah, I guess this bummed me out just because we just saw Civil War, which. You haven't seen it yet, minor spoilers, but Pepper Potts is broken up with Tony Stark. And then meanwhile, like, Haley... broken up? Uh, they yeah. were on a break. Like, he said, he, he said, she wanted me to stop being Iron Man, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't stop being Iron Man. We're broken up. And it's just that, like, Cap Thor and Iron Man, at least their first movies, were all built around a love story. Mm-hmm. And now in all three cases, they're like, we're done with a female mm-hmm. co-star, love's boring... Because, but it is true. Like, get rid of the. Lo- I don't care about that at all anymore. Well, yeah. now it's like, uh, is there another superhero they can be in love with? Can we do yeah, that? I mean, sure. Introduce yeah. a female superhero and then have them fall in love three movies in. How about yeah, that? Yeah, I. I mean, I just don't want all these heroes to become James Bond, where they just. I don't want a, a bunch of non-super tertiary women <laughs> who are just there for a yeah, romance subplot. Don't want it all. But, uh, yeah. I mean, like the Captain America's girlfriend in the new movie. Yeah. She's like adjacent to Sharon. a superhero. Yeah. Right? No, yeah, no, but that, that was meaningful. That was earned. She yeah. was introduced throughout the, the last oh, yeah. film. I gotta say, I I have been so used to Sharon Carter for so long, I didn't realize how creepy she could be to some people or to people who don't know it but they're just like so wait he's dating the cousin of the woman who he knew in the 40s I it was the, the granddaughter niece, the grandniece of her he call, she calls her aunt sharon mm. uh, i was like well shit that's uh, that's kind of weird isn't it not really i don't know lots of people were skeeved out by the kiss not really because what if they just met didn't know each other's name yeah. and felt Oh, you! I, That's exactly you what were, happens in the movie. You were related to someone I knew. Mm-hmm. Didn't know. Like, yeah. he didn't grow up. He, but, he didn't pull a Woody Allen. Yeah. Certainly not. All right, and on that wonderful note, uh, let's take a quick break. When we come... Talking Hank off the soapbox. That's mm-hmm. a new segment. Uh, damn it. It's a, challenge every, uh, it's a challenge every episode now. Put me in a moral quagmire where I have to go like, oh, crap. Yeah, he's right. <laughs> all right, now, guys, why don't we transition... I read stuff! ...to a little what you've been reading. I didn't read all that much, so I'm counting on you, Chris. What did you read? You really want... Mine's a topper. Okay, well... It, is, it so isn't, by the way. Mine, is, right. mine I, is very much the preliminary opening match. Well, okay, Dave, you go Because I literally just... Uh, you guys had a <laughs> pile of... came over early so we could yeah. do some stuff. And, yeah, and I... Fucking I yeah. Geez. No, but I, I I figured, oh, you guys have a stack of comics that you were uh, using in a YouTube video. All right. And yeah. I picked out, for one, the thinnest one. Uh-huh. But also, I'm, I'm very interested in the Vision because I like he, he like, he's been in a bunch of Marvel movies and I barely know anything about him. Never read any comics that he's been in, and yeah, so I read the Vision uh, yesterday and tomorrow. Yeah, so it's old oh. Vision comics, as I believe, right? It's from like no, early two thousand. I think it's, it's Jeff Johns like oh. like one shot, but it like it starts with. Vision's introduction yeah. at a World's Fair. It, to me, it's, it's it read more like a Terminator story. Yeah, oh, I really like. Oh, yeah, it. it is very cool. much like I don't know what that feeling is. Yes, I, I cannot relate to you on and a human he, level. And he basically does. He, he meets a boy who yeah. like brings him around. And in, uh, like a lot of the comic, I'm just thinking like, hey, why is he still hanging out with this boy? Like the it, first person he saw. Yeah, well, he's supposed to find the granddaughter of his creator, which makes sense. And it's cool that like she's not what you would expect. Mm. And. Uh, that, so that's neat, and I mean, 
yeah, he's a very dry hero, but uh, I mean, no, for no. a quick four issue book, it's. Uh, I like uh, you know, that's one I didn't read. There was yeah. a brief time Ooh, where Jeff, Hank's homework. There was a brief time where Jeff Johns didn't wasn't exclusive to yeah. DC, and he wrote he wrote books like that. He did a Ben Grimm one that was pretty fun. Yes, I love that one. Yeah, uh, Freak Show. I yeah, he joins a fucking fair, a fucking circus, and he even did a run on Avengers, which was pretty neat. And then he became a DC exclusive and has not written a Marvel character since. But I, I really do. Whenever I think of Vision now, I associate it with this. Not Elseworld story. That's I, probably not. Yeah, I don't think that's as. It origin. is one of those like you can tell they were so strapped for like, oh, we can only we only have this many issues. It's not going to fill a whole uh, trade. Let's put the original issue he was in. And yeah, I, I couldn't I be forgot bothered that to he read even it did that because I definitely didn't read it. Pack it full of text. Well, yeah, yeah, that's and I everyone's mean, yeah using stupid slang. Like they did that in the um, see, Squirrel Girl collection. Yeah, I recently that one I could like, read. Yeah. That one was just like too <laughs> dense. Like he's you're trying to explain this really metaphysical character we in the seventies. Keep complaining that we want it both ways. Like yeah. I want a big full story, but I want big art, not a lot of words. Mm. <laughs> I want it all, uh, and I, I should. I should not tease the thing. My thing is the big thing of the week because it very much isn't the what DC epic crossover am I talking about? Uh, boy, I don't know. Uh, that'd be Future Quest. You we, read that too. I, I read that as did well. You? Yes, yeah. I mean, it's really weird. It's really it is really weird. It is well, just it's also really weird. One, why don't the Venture Brothers have a comic? Yeah, and then, and then two, like these are just things from the Venture Brothers. But we're seeing it very played, very, played very played seriously. Very straight, yeah. So, Future Quest, they did a, they just launched a bunch of Hanna Barbera comics oh, in DC. I, I, I don't know why I went and bought. I just, they're so awful. And I hate Hanna Barbera so much. This is not mine. Again, this is not my nostalgia. This is my hatred for my parents' nostalgia that was forced in my face as a kid. Yeah, but so they had the characters. They had you know ones that tried to update it. Mm-hmm. But this isn't that. This is yeah. them in their classic original appearance, early '60s designs. Just treating them like classics that need yeah. to be read as Thundar the Barbarian. Like we fought. Oh, Birdman's finally treated with the respect he deserves. Space Ghost gets a, a gets a, a tragic origin story, and, and that that uh fucking like all these characters, almost all of them have been given official send-ups by Hanna-Barbera yeah. acknowledging that they can't work today that's, so they might as well be comedic fodder and this, but this yeah. comic is not treating them like that and I, I, I just I did love that conceit mm-hmm. that it's uh what Mr. Quest finding portals opening up between worlds mm-hmm. curiously enough only Hanna-Barbera worlds yeah yeah just, to meet the Herculoids and oh, Birdman and Thundar oh and, my god so, Space Ghost and yeah. Chim Chim Space <laughs> Ghost is the big star of it so the I guess the the balance uh, the issue with the Hanna Barbera characters is that they spend the entire nineties and two thousands telling our Gen X generation yeah. or, or Gen Y that these whatever, characters are lame as shit that they're dumb and need to be made fun of <laughs> and they spent decades they spent decades making fun of them and I, that's what's fascinating to me like I have to see I have to at least see what the first issue shakes out as and it's just such a straightforward like family-friendly adventure thing and, and just those shots of Johnny Quest and uh, Dr. Zinn's robots like mm-hmm. I totally forgot that's where Helper comes from like yeah. those very specific machines you're just seeing every character mm-hmm. yeah but the uh, oh, I mean that walking eye a walking eye and though I get that uh, guys who love Silver Age comics love those designs because I do. Those I, are mainly done by Alex Toth, and they're amazing. Like the Space Ghost design, he should be a Superman level yeah. character. That's a great design, but they just became a joke. Yeah. And 
And also... Is that, that team of heroes in the beginning? I don't know who the fuck they are. I mean, those are the Space Ghost crew. They yeah. all have the Space Ghost power bands. They do. And then one of one is the survivor who I'm assuming is uh, Spa- he does, Space we, Ghost. We talked or, about that somewhere. He yeah. does have a tragic backstory yeah. given to him by DC. Yeah. And his more serious stuff. Not as Tad. Not He's the, not the, the Tad Ghostly. Tad Ghostly. <laughs> uh, but yeah... In but the, it, wait, oh, fuck, I forgot what I was saying now. Never mind. But, oh, no, the beginning, they show all the Space Ghost crew and they're... Their outfits fit like 1960s spandex. And yeah. Like I love, I love this. Yeah. Only Hydra gets to look this silly. I do, I do, I do love it though. It's not for. I don't know who's. It I do. For. Yeah, I can't recommend I, it to. Yeah, who is it? <laughs> this is based on what 1960s nostalgia? Early 1960s. I guess if like you were we, ten, you'd be what 60. <laughs> we grew up with those reruns of it, yeah. but like. Yeah, the one of my favorite Johnny Quest parodies in the time before Adventure Brothers was an episode called uh, Johnny. I believe it was Johnny Danger. It was a a, a segment on Freakazoid, mm-hmm. and it was such a long and specific Johnny Quest parody with the original Johnny Quest voices in all wow. of the roles, and it had the uh, the race bandit character always saying like, oh, "Let me throw a barrel at him," and he would just say that all the time. <laughs> And that parody is twenty years old. Wow! Like that's how fucking but, old. And it if is. I can't, I I don't. Again, it's hard to recommend. I did like I came through it. And I'm like, huh? Mm. I might read the next one. Yeah, no, uh, the art's great. Yeah, the art's really good. And just yeah. that, like, I don't know that story of like that story that can't exist now of like the boy adventure and the irresponsible father <laughs> that takes him on all these it, like literally sending him out to like vortex sites to pick up evidence you, you're right you're seven yeah and, <laughs> and and then with his um non-indigenous pal haji yeah but he, all that stuff fascinates me and i like it and i do think some like for a kid that can never not be interesting they don't yeah. need to understand i don't think his dad's very responsible like that's not what a kid is thinking <laughs> Man, when they're thinking johnny quest is cool yeah they're not they're not postmodern yeah. meta gen xers like, like us thinking idiot about cynics it. like us yeah who just sit around tables with microphones saying can you believe his dad did that <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make sense <laughs> uh i also read jughead number six the finale of the first storyline of jughead oh. really fun book uh, it was the most I'd seen of Moose in the new Archie world. Duh. He's pretty funny. He never says duh, oh, but uh, he does say, like, sensitive. Moose is smart. <laughs> he says stuff like that, and his relationship with Midge is still very... What? I can't cordial. even envision a storyline for Jughead. <laughs> like, what happens in his life that is, like... An evil principal take over, takes over oh, the school okay. and outlaws hamburgers. Oh, my God. <laughs> and that inspires Jughead to, uh, to take <laughs> on that new principal. Sweet. It was a cool story. I liked it. And uh, it made me sad. Reading it also made me sad to think like, oh, this artist is gone now. This is her last issue. Mm-hmm. And Chip Zdarsky is doing two more issues and then he's gone, which is just, eh, it's a bummer. But uh, I think that's kind of all I read other than I dug up some of my Darwin cookbooks just to give them a mm-hmm. read. I, I would like, I know I own uh, New Frontier somewhere. I would love mm-hmm. to check that out. I again. don't know if the sale is still going on at Comixology, but there was a sale before he passed away. But okay. that day they put out... All his books, all these classic darn cookbooks, fifty percent off. I do wish they'd do something like that because when, like, when Prince died and MTV's like fuck everything on the schedule, <laughs> all Prince, and when George Carlin died, HBO is like let's show everything, everything we can about George Carlin. I wish Comicsology would sort of respond like that too. Well, they can't give it away, but like Twitter, Twitter was full of Darwin Cook's best stuff. Yeah. Like everybody was sharing stuff. And some of my favorite comic creators who I follow, they were sharing. Oh no, and, their and favorite stories to their credit, Square Enix when David David Bowie died, yeah. they're just like Omicron free. Everybody yeah. just enjoy. Yeah. if you're a gamer and don't know David Bowie, here you go. 
Great. Yeah, we need more stuff like that. Or they could have aired DC New Frontier. Maybe they, maybe that's back on Netflix. And yeah, and like, in hind- like I, I saw New Frontier once at mm-hmm. the la- one of the last WonderCons here when it, like <laughs> yeah. before it came out. And I haven't seen it since. And like the art was very representative of New Frontier, but I mm-hmm. think that might just be Paul Dini and Bruce Timm's style. Like, well, yeah, it's it's a funny roundabout way because yeah. Darwin Cook came up through the house style of Bruce Timm and Paul yeah. Dini's animated series. Then he does a slight variation on it, a more Kirby esque uh, variation on mm-hmm. it, and then they take that and animate it. It was not a it was not a far walk for them. Yeah, you know. no, yeah. I'm gonna do that tonight. Mm-hmm. Eh. All right. Oh, and I also read Civil War Two. Yeah, zero. Ki- <laughs> and it's, I love the tease at the end. Stay tuned for Civil War Two One. Uh, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus Christ! It's a little confusing. I've not read that yet. Uh, I did. It's very. It's strange. And I, I had read the synopsis, but I just it it reeks of Minority Report. Yeah, of, I know. Uh, it totally sounds unlike like that. this superhero registration. I'm very confused. I guess I I don't. I've been reading a little less Marvel comics lately comics in general but Marvel comics I don't know how Secret Wars shook out everything so I'm very confused as to uh, they, how yeah, the they, universes have like there's an Ultimates here? Uh, no I mean a cup I mean there people call the Ultimates but the only survivor of Ultimate Universe was um, was Miles like all well, the rest they go to the Triskelion home of the Ultimates in, yeah, uh, in they, Civil War 2 they imprinted concepts into it but characters the only ones who stayed over was Miles I do believe um, and well that it's just it's Minority Report in that uh, She-Hulk and Captain Marvel seem to be centered around well what if we can stop disasters before they happen mm. how do you do that it starts out with She-Hulk defending a criminal who hasn't done anything but has in the past and feels like the FBI feels like he was talking about doing something yeah. uh, he, it, but he he wasn't and he didn't but uh, you can't do that you can't send someone to jail for a thing they haven't done for a thing they haven't but he but he was going to do something anyway Like, mm. but he didn't it Dang is that. it is interesting and it just shows you how how, how much how much Civil War fabric there is to weave within the Marvel Universe yeah. and the different dichotomies of people, and it's weird that Doc, Doc Samson showed up. But, oh. uh, <laughs> That's an interesting pull. It and that, that would if... seem to center on, on, on Rhodey, which is only weird, having, if you've seen how he ends up in Civil War. Yeah. Uh, but he's very able-bodied here, and essentially, like, somebody says it, and, like, it's only a matter of time before one of you runs for president. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet in the Marvel U. Would you like it to be, would you like to be the first? Ah. And I don't know. It, it, it pretty neat. I mean, I haven't yeah. read a Bendis comic. I feel like in like three, four months. Okay, I definitely want to read this then. Yeah, well, issue zero on short store shelves now and digital digital store. I don't have a good plug for this because uh, we don't make any money. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, the, we're going to have our special new quiz and your answers to last week's question of the week. See you then. Game fans, want to get the latest tips and tricks to unlock advanced boards in your favorite games? Well, you won't hear any of that on Game Apocalypse, but you will hear a bunch of nerds talking about their favorite moments in video games. For example... I was really hoping Pocket Card Jockey could be a surprisingly good game, and it is! It really really is. Did you want to play a game that is a very loving tribute to the sport of horse racing? No. That's also sport a of game of solitaire. No. It's pretty much next Rusty Slugger. And it's really good. Seven bucks on uh, the eShop for your 3DS, boys. What? I got to pay up front for a uh, Nintendo yeah. download? Well, get the demo. It's good. Mm. 
That's good. <laughs> also, I can't tell people I'm playing pocket card jockey without them thinking like, oh, so you're masturbating. Yeah, Dave, Dave, yeah. Dave, everybody knows you uh, work out of your house primarily. Mm-hmm. Everyone assumes you're masturbating <laughs> all yes. the time. Yeah. Until, <laughs> until you talk to them, you're masturbating. Uh, all took, your friends think It took that. Dave 15 minutes to answer this okay. hangout uh, question. Uh, maybe. Look, I, I do a tantric style, so it's got a... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uncharted 4! <laughs> Uncharted 4. That's Video Game Apocalypse every Friday on the Laser Time Network. To see more, go to VigigameApocalypse.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the break of this episode. I hope you're enjoying our new experimental format with these three different breaks in it. And I'd like to start out this break by addressing one news bit I did not get to on the news segment. Just that uh, Lupita Nyong'o and Michael B. Jordan have been cast in the Black Panther film. It is turning like, oh my gosh... On paper, it is looking like in uh, the exact right film I want to see, directed by Ryan Coogler. You know, Chadwick Boseman already looked awesome as Black Panther in Civil War, but those two are exactly who I'd want to see him work with in that film. Anyway, I do want to say thanks again for listening to this episode of Cape Crisis. Let me know what you think of the new format, and also know that you can listen to this on so many different devices, including Google Play. It's on the podcast app there. We just got on Stitcher as well. And if you're just still listening on iTunes, subscribing there helps us. All of those things help us. The more downloads, the better for this. Also, what helps us is patreon.com slash laser time. We do this as a full-time job. It's not easy. Uh, You know, living in san francisco as a professional podcaster but we do our best and every little dollar helps if you can help us out at patreon.com slash laser time five dollars a month gets you so many great new things each week plus a huge backlog of bonus content you can go through oh also there's a bunch of great deals on amazon you can get that help support laser time as well including there's a recent spider-man sale i had written about on lasertimepodcast.com that's some of my favorite spider-man books all for five dollars right now a very very good deal and now it's time for the hanks corner pick of the week you know uh with the sad passing of mr cook this is the time to celebrate him and i'm just gonna say again his my two favorite of his work so he's done so many great things are new frontier and catwoman his initial run on catwoman with ed brubaker such a fantastic book he he was one of the best ever i mean his work on parker as well and uh, there's too many names but new frontier and catwoman are both my favorites of his and you should check them out he leaves behind a great legacy of work it's just just too sad it ended so soon but anyway enough of that now back to the rest of the show And welcome back to the unprecedented third segment of Cape Crisis. And now it's time for the inaugural edition of the Superhero Voice Quiz. Hmm, that can't be the one. Can't be the one. Superhero Voice Quiz. The Superhero Voice Quiz? 
There you go. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, so, in case you didn't listen to a couple episodes ago of Laser Time, the podcast, when we did the Civil War review, I also put together a quiz of if you could guess the voice played by a famous voice actor who has played literally a dozen su- over a dozen superheroes. And so I am replicating it again here with another famous voice actor, one of the top in his field. He's been at it for about 20 years, ever since he first premiered on Mad TV. He then, ah, uh, it is, of course, Phil Lamar. Darkness and light. I'll pour us out of here. But he told us not to trust anyone. Okay, we'll help. But I don't like it. And the only thing I can remember him from on Mad TV is that like excited uh, you, uh, DHL guy or whatever, like the uh, delivery guy. I do not remember. <gasps> I got back tree. I oh, remember yeah. he was Sam Jackson in the amazing parody Gump Fiction. Oh, that was really good. No, it wasn't. It was not very good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, look, I'm talking. I'm t- I'm rating within the Mad TV canon. But the show does. I wish it still existed. Yeah, I sure. Yeah, uh, look, we got Key and Peele. The Key and Peele show is just. We like, don't. Oh it's wait, over. we don't. That's oh, we got Keanu. Mm, you have a movie. Who yes. watched that? Who watched mm-hmm. that? Nobody. Oh, we did. Me too. Uh, oh, Dave did. Okay, but anyway, so yes, Phil Lamar got to start on Mad TV, but then transitioned into being a superstar voice actor who is on everything. Mm-hmm. And usually, if there's a black character in anything, it's either it's half the time him. Yeah. Hermes in Futurama. He's famously Hermes in Futurama. Ah. Uh, though, let's. I'm going to start this easy with I would say easily his most famous voice. In brightest day, in blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's light. I don't is love it, his voice as this yeah. character, but I love I love his read there. Yeah. yeah. Now that is him as John Stewart to the Green Lantern on the Justice League team, who uh, he was put there because when they were making the show, they're like, we don't have one non-white person in this group. Like, and they made uh, John Stewart, who had only been in the comics to that point, John Leibowitz in the comics. <laughs> <laughs> That's a reference to that. Should be proud of his heritage. Uh, but so he premiered. He premiered on the show, and I think a whole generation of kids grew up with like yeah. the Green Lantern is a black guy. Yeah. Like Green Lantern is John Stewart. I ain't heard of this Hal Jordan dude. Yeah, maybe not is a black guy, but can be a black guy. Can a be a good thing. <laughs> and I did. Uh, I preferred his uh, goatee and shaved head look. And but that's Phil Lamar's most famous one. But I, I played it a little bit earlier. But can you guess this Marvel character? Darkness and light. I'll pour us out of here. But he told us not to trust anyone. Okay, we'll help. But I don't like it. Hmm. He's a teenager, an African American teenager. Oh, Sam Wilson? No, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's from the streets. Uh, oh, Luke Cage? No, he's good not, a, guess, not a teenager. Not Miles Morales. Oh, why do I not have these? Uh, have, no. Isn't, he's not a black guy. He is yeah. a black guy. Oh, black teenager. He's a black teenager, usually written as a teenager in the comics, usually teamed up with a blonde girl. Why is, why, why don't I? Should I be getting this? It's Cloak of Cloak oh, and Dagger. Come on. It's the guy who teleports people everywhere. Well, all right, can you guess this character uh, from a more comedic DC show? We may have talked about it earlier. Pure electricity in my pants. They yeah. said it was some sort of budget thing. But I think it's because I complained that they're always pairing me up with a white super friend. Like I was going to start super looting the minute they weren't watching. Black Light? I didn't know Black, he's the same voice. You know what? That's what bothered me about his, his Green Lantern part. 
Pretty much, he sounded like voice. a he sounded like a parody of a black superhero, which is what he was doing in Harvey Birdman. <laughs> and I didn't know it was the same dude. That changes yep. everything. Villavar, that's him, is uh, Black Vulcan on Super Friends uh, or on the Super Friends episode of Harvey Birdman, uh, where they in my pants. <laughs> it became a recurring bit with him, but they couldn't make fun. They could only make fun of the Super Friends original DC characters: Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, not allowed to show up. <laughs> But they can make fun of the characters like Apache Chief and Black Falcon who are created <laughs> for Super Friends. Uh, but all right, why don't we stick with DC and see if we can guess this character? I anasa ke ego oligarithimon dipnon piiomen ketesperon. Headquarters of the Justice League. Don't tell me you're not excited. Huh. That was him speaking his uh, ancient language, his native language there, mm, which. Uh, Martian Manhunter? Uh, nope. Uh, good guess, though. Good guess, uh, but no. Han. No, it's uh, he is he maybe heard a regal demeanor in his voice there. Mm-hmm. Perhaps he's a man of royalty. Mm-hmm. Hawk. Nope. I didn't didn't finish. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, I don't know. Dave, any last guesses? A famous is a famous Justice League member, top level Justice League member. Wonder Woman. No, yeah. uh, it's Aquaman. Ah. He played Aquaman? He played Aquaman in Young Justice. Wow. The animated series Young Justice. Uh, and he would also play Aquaman in the Injustice video game as well. Is Aquaman really one of the highest ranking members of the Justice League? Uh, Jason Momoa's playing him in a movie, so yeah. you tell me, Dave. I just know from the state skit where it's, uh, Aquaman, you go talk to some fish. <laughs> Yeah. I know everybody makes fun of Hey, them. fucking two thirds of the universe is water. Yeah. The universe, I suck. <laughs> even the character. All right, can you guess this voice? Uh, a Marvel villain. Earth is exactly where I belong, and I intend to rule it until the end of time. But first, to get rid of my nemesis, Doctor Strange, and his little friend. Yeah, his nemesis, Doctor Strange. Mordo. No, you're you're on to something. Though. The other one. A character in Marvel vs. Capcom. Buh. Giant fiery head. Oh, Dormammu. Yes. <laughs> Took too long. There we go. That is he played Dormammu in multiple things, but that's him in the Avengers Assemble TV series. And it's he is a giant space god in that fighting uh, Doctor Strange and the rest of the Avengers. And it's just neat to see the Hulk just jumps right up to his giant head and just starts yeah. punching it, but he it shows no effect. All right, now this one I bet will be pretty easy. See if you can keep track of the ball, mon ami. Lift the right cup, win yourself a fabulous prize. You did it. All right, go, Dave. Ah, but now I realize that my heart should belong to the cards. Thanks for helping me see the light, mon ami. So so that is a cornball mission in Lego Marvel's superheroes (laughs) of just you come up to him in the park, he's like, Hey, do the get the shell game with me and see if you win. You did win. Yay. It's still a versatile stable of characters who have played yeah. this within superheroes. I know. That Monami. Oh, Phil, Phil yeah. gets his head shot off in Pulp Fiction. Uh, That's what I... Man, I don't even know. <laughs> That's his most famous line. Uh, and lastly, here's, here's one last one. DC character. Destroying my peripherals is not part of the program. Error. Error. Recalculating units of Earth. I have selected your planet for permanent backup in my archives. Calculon. No. Alpha uh, 5 from Power Rangers? No. He's a DC character with a robot voice who is famous for archiving things and destroying planets. Galactus. No. All right. He's a Superman villain. 
Mm. Who's a robot? Brainiac. Yes! <laughs> that is Lego Brainiac from the oh, G- DC Lego Justice League Cosmic Clash uh, cartoon, which we talked about. I used many voice actors from that because it was surprising. Like, oh, Troy Baker's Batman in that, and uh, Nolan North is Superman in it. It's it's always fun to see those two team up. I'll always remember Philomar as a vamp from Metal Gear Solid. Which is basically close enough to a supervillain for government work. Like pretty much, yeah. He, he doesn't yes. die. No, nope. and uh, he's gay. Know, yeah, making and him evil. Loves a sniper or something. I forget. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get into the Ask Hank stuff. I, let me know if you guys enjoyed that segment out there. Not you guys. I, I know you guys <laughs> loved it. I mean the listeners. All right, so this week's Ask Hanks. Uh, let's first start with Dexter's Lab. They asked, "You're only allowed to subscribe to three comic books for the rest of your life. Which ones are they?" The issue I have with this is just that, like, some of my favorite books are limited. And so if I can only subscribe to three of them, like, let's say I subscribe to Southern Bastards, one of my favorite comics. <laughs> when it ends in, yeah. let's say, five years, I have, that's one less comic I'll be able to read. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I have the issue of, like, I would I could say Invincible because it doesn't seem like it's ever going to stop. Yeah. But it is reliant on a wealth of knowledge of multiple superhero universes that it's kind of sending up. Mm-hmm. How so, could I appreciate that if I'm not enjoying the source of... Yeah. It, it's So it's a hard pick there. So if I were to just stick with books that I know... Spider-Man. That I know will never stop. Amazing Spider-Man, Justice League, and The Avengers. Because mm. Amazing Spider-Man, that's my favorite book. I'll never not be uh, reading that monthly. Justice League and Avengers will always exist, mm-hmm. and it'll let me keep tabs on basically what's going on with the major heroes of both of both universes. That's so, that's so yeah. cheating. Hank. I know it's really and you didn't even get the Batman basics. in there. Yeah. And, it's you been know, the most consistently great comic throughout. Yeah, it is, but you never know if the if the A book is still Detective or if it's Batman. Oh, kinda, right. it, it's hard to pick there. Well, meanwhile, like I want to see, I want the best superhero bang for my buck with these three books I have to subscribe to for the rest of my life. Uh, so Garnzer asks, whenever someone becomes gay in comics, uh, you're, you pointed out with delight, uh, do you then consider the character to have been gay from the beginning and any straight affairs that they were thinking was them hiding their true person? Do you start with the idea that the status quo from the time you started reading or watching, then pick and choose what parts came before or came along after and factor that into the, your idea of the character? Let me answer this one. No, I, uh, no. So, kidding. Uh, no, I mean... But it's. I just had a conversation with somebody about, like, their straight relationship before coming out. Like, uh, it obviously it felt like it was something they were supposed to do, and it didn't feel quite right, but there were still aspects of love in a relationship mm-hmm. before the coming out. And it doesn't negate the, rela- the relationship that happened. That'll yeah. always be the person's ex-girlfriend. Uh, oh, God, <laughs> did I just, I just tip my hand on who it might mm-hmm. be? It's a man. But uh, I know what you mean. That yeah, it, and sexuality is fluid. Yeah. Like some people, yeah, were that, in yeah, love and work yeah I barely believe in gay and straight as it is. Like <laughs> yeah. it's just my own like societal hangups have given me an issue with fucking men yeah. that I wish I never had to begin. We're with. all sexual T one thousands. Yeah, is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I'm growing at the age where my dick barely works. And I don't care anyway because I'd rather eat too much, drink, and pass out. But like before that, yeah, I wish I had the opportunity to fuck anything I wanted. God damn it. <laughs> so when it comes to characters, I don't think they are made gay or changed to be gay. Like, let's look at Iceman. I don't, I think, you know, his heterosexual relationships can still work canonically beforehand, but they also can just have him say, like, oh yeah, I was super deep in the closet and performing a character I thought I was supposed to be, but I'm not into girls. That's not me. Mm -hmm. And I think that they, if you have an eye towards the 
continuity beforehand. I, I like it more when a writer has clearly read their old stuff and they can weave through their history mm-hmm. of like, yeah, well, maybe not that. But I also do like when uh, like Catwoman last year got a girlfriend and it was not a thing. She's just like, yeah, Catwoman probably does swing both ways. Or if she finds herself attracted to a woman, yeah. doesn't care. Yeah, yeah like, I, I've heard that as, as a stance of solidarity. Like, you're always gay. I was always gay. And, like, I don't know. You probably... It doesn't, doesn't, you don't even have to think of it like that. Don't even worry about it. I see it similar as, like, an origin revamp. Yeah. Of just, like... Uh, and there's been a lot of good ones of Swamp Thing wasn't cool. Mm-hmm. And they redid his origin. And they reworked it to say, well, actually, it was this, but it, here's how it changes this old book, but it mm-hmm. doesn't say that old book never happened. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's, it's like say it's, it's not, not that much of a difference with a character going evil. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she. Oh, Why and, did I compare the two? No nasty comments, people. <laughs> uh, and so last week's superstar ask, uh, question asker, Psylocke Rules, who I named the episode after, mm. uh, said, what character are you, you waiting... You're the first person to have an, uh, an episode named after you, Psylocke Rules, by the yeah, way. You should be honest. Yeah. What character are you waiting for to finally have a big screen appearance? She-Hulk. She-Hulk a million times She-Hulk. Yeah, having just read, read her today, yeah, She-Hulk yeah. would be great. I tried to make her my main in, in MVC3, but it turns out I suck at that game no matter what. <laughs> Quarter circle, <laughs> fuck you. If Hellcat hadn't been, well, a certain version of Hellcat hadn't been in Jessica Jones, I might have even said her. But She-Hulk. A million times She-Hulk. I, I would like to see a new Fantastic Four. Yeah, I want to yeah, see it again. A different one. I'd like to see an, a better thing. Oh, make them old. Make them real old. <laughs> have them be all... Scare all your marketing people. <laughs> yeah. have, have Invisible Woman be 39. Oh. oh, no. All right. Last week's question of the week uh, uh, was, what was the first superhero movie you saw? And uh, get ready to feel old in a couple of oh, cases, man. guys. Mm-hmm. But uh, Triscuitable starts out by saying, Spider-Man. I remember being really bored by the film's terrible pacing and sluggish fight scenes. There's so little significant time spent as Spider-Man in that film, and oh. the and that the only parts I can clearly remember are the scenes where a bunch of suits get skeletonized and now choose. <laughs> also, the scene where James Franco talks to a mask on a chair, and the scene where Spider-Man in a mask shouts a Green Goblin in a mask. To the Matt Cave said, X-Men 2000. My grandma to... My grandpa took me to a midnight showing, and it was sponsored by the local comic shop. So they had people outside the theater with picket signs that said, Go home, mutant lovers, and no mutants allowed. That's great. Plus, they had boxes of X-Men comic books for sale on Inside the Theater. I'll never forget. It was great. That that sounds like the perfect first viewing of Mm X-Men. Uh, Bittersweet Jesus says, at the age of six, I saw Batman 1989. Next to Hulk Hogan beating up Zeus at SummerSlam that year, I thought it was the coolest thing I ever, and I'm old. John Wahizel says, the first one I saw in theaters, probably Batman Forever. I was Ooh, still recovering really? from having my tonsils removed, so I was a little out of it, but it was awesome for a seven-year-old. <laughs> Raccoon Hale also saw X-Men 2000 the first time, uh, which I feel kicked off the whole comic book craze that we have now. When I go back and see it, though, I feel that the movie has not aged well at all. Except Hugh Jackman. I have no idea how he keeps looking yeah, the same. He doesn't look the same. He gets more ripped with every yeah. movie. It's disturbing. More ripped, less body fat, more <laughs> yes. veins... Uh, Movie Rat said, while I'm a huge Marvel fan, it seems that anything comic book related goes back to DC because the first comic book movie I saw in theater was, believe it or not, Batman Forever. I remember I watched it hours after watching Pocahontas. (laughs) It was a spur of the moment. uh, They're both cartoons. (laughs) Yeah. It was spur of the moment, but I always remember looking at the poster and most likely it was probably my idea because it was Batman. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, so, so you could say I owe my existence as a fan of superheroes in general to that film. Obi-Shan Kenobi says, Superman 2, that and Empire Strikes Back were the first movies I ever saw in a theater. And I, while I remember Empire Strikes Back more, and it holds up much better than Superman 2 oh, does, yeah. uh, there was still something magical about it. Zap Rathdower said... <laughs> Is that this, a stupid name? <laughs> this is an easy one. Although I was incredibly young, my parents thought it would be uh, it would be fun for me to go to the movie with a wise cracking duck in it. <laughs> Little did I know I would see duck breasts, terrifying <laughs> outer space demons, a possessed Jeffrey Jones riding from the inside out, and a woman-animal love scene. I don't think I cried, but Howard the Duck really scared me and my parents. Uh, Jeffrey Jones ever not possessed? I saw. I saw it with. He's yeah, possessed at, by at, some inner demon. At that point, yeah, my my sister and her friend. I saw it at my buddy Shit Steve's house, and we were because that might be the first superhero movie I saw by choice. Or that uh, barely counts as a superhero. I mean, superhero. you see that box on a shelf, and if you're six, you're yeah. like, "That's cool." It's a box. So he wanted to rent that. I'm spending the night at his house, and my sister and his sister were friends, and they were over too. They ran from the room screaming and crying when Jeffrey Jones. His tongue. Ah. It was horrifying. Like it was. It was. Freaky. That did it, and not anything that shit Steve did. No, we were we were very young at that point. We would have been like seven. Mm. So even shit Steve at that point. No, not then. Mm. And lastly, Topcat three sixty says, "I think my first comic book movie where the properties of people say, oh yeah, those, that was a comic first, and that was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in nineteen ninety. Yeah. Close to thirty years later, and it's still the best TMNT film." Uh, around the same time, I feel like Howard the Duck ran on USA or our local syndicated channel every weekend. Back when films were so precious that only the crappiest was what would run on television. I think that's how I saw Howard the Duck too for the first yeah. time, just with commercial breaks in it. Which means they censored the duck boobs. Uh. All right, so this week's question of the week, why don't we take it from the Ask Hank of th- what three books would you subscribe Ooh, to? Boy. And now let's just say if one gets canceled, you can replace it so you can have in things that definitely have an endpoint, like pretty much every image book, if you so choose. <sighs> well, I they're really dense, but I do love... Before I loved superhero books, I loved EC's suspense, ah. horror, and sci-fi uh, comics. I really, really did. Oh, the Vault of Fear. Vault of Terror? <laughs> what am I thinking? Uh, cr- yeah, I loved uh, Tales from the Crypt, Weird Science, Amazing Fantasy. I, I really did love those old comics when they started being reprinted in color uh, in oh, the beautiful. mid-80s. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to buy the, the Dark Horse collections, but it is the most expensive shit in comics, <laughs> goddammit. Because uh, they know only super collectors who probably have more disposable income are the Forward ones who are by George buy. Lucas not making it any cheaper. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Um, let's see. I would say uh, Walking Dead, obvi. Yes. This is re- this might be a recency bias, but uh, the humans. Humans love the humans. Uh, and yeah. that seems Read like a story. Humans, that seems like a story that that can just go on forever. And really? New, I don't know. I They're mean, like, well, the- this the, the the new trade has a kind of a definitive ending, but I feel like they could just go on like new gang members, new I, this, new that. Seeing that shit move into the eighties, bunch of coke snorting, oh man, uh, slave holding apes, that'd be great. And third, I'm just gonna say Superman. I feel I just uh, I can't imagine a world without Superman I, comics. I totally thought about that as one like, too because it's it, it does go through peaks and valleys, yeah. but like it's always gonna be Superman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. It's always gonna be the ultimate hero. Yeah. 
All right, so what three books would you subscribe to if they were the only ones you were allowed to do so? You can answer that in the forums, lasertimepodcast.com slash forums, or there'll be a link to it on this week's episode page, which you'll also find on lasertimepodcast.com. Now, before my voice goes out, why don't we do some plugs? Go listen to Laser Time this week. I forget what it's about, but it's really good. Unresolved Cliffhanger. Yeah, that's the one. Comics, comics don't have any of those. No, um, they just keep going forever, and there's uh, never any. Yeah, yeah. That uh, on our YouTube channel, we last week we streamed uh, the worst Spider-Man game we could find. That would be Web of Fire for the Web of Fire. Thirty-two X, yeah, the, the 30, last thirty-two X game. The last thirty-two X classic. Classic. Uh, and this week it was Top Gun because like we've been doing. Hey, Maverick's a superhero, kinda. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. He can buzz any tower. Yeah, but man, the cutscenes in that Top Gun. So game, good. So yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah and, and check out thirty twenty ten. Uh, cool stuff happening with that show. Mm-hmm. We just had a Civil War ch- chat about it last week mm-hmm. about the uh, a comic book event, along with the talks on because of the nature of what the show is. A look thirty twenty and ten years ago to that specific week. Short circuit. To Twister, to Civil War, Jesus Christ, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Well, a more eclectic show you will not find. Yeah. And uh, I host Cheap Podcast, Pro Wrestling Podcast. We also just went to a three segment show, which Ooh. includes the uh, superhero spotlight, the, the superhero spotlight like kayfabe history, where mm-hmm. we run through an entire wrestler's. Uh, uh, Storylines, you know, from jumping good to bad. Maybe like they didn't know how to talk when they were they started, and Santa Claus granted them the power. <laughs> uh, then we do uh, we do a live segment where we interact with fans and talk about the wrestling of the week, and then we'd uh, yeah we do kind of community stuff. It's, it's a lot of it live. Yeah, yeah. Fuck the, it, we'll do it live. The live aspect is a lot of fun to it. I yeah. think hey, we just did one, but I liked our first. I liked our pilot. First things mm-hmm. that don't always go smoothly. Uh, we also did the Talking Simpsons podcast, which you should really listen to. We're deep into season three with all the best episodes. No. The show's pretty much a classic every week. It feels like. Uh, and of course, we're all supported on patreon.com slash laser time. If you're not supporting us, we really would appreciate it. This is what pays our bills, baby. But I guess that's it. So let's uh, let me know what you think of this uh, new format change. Let me know in the comments, guys. And until next week, Excelsior! Excelsior!